Hi, I'm Nina Endurst. I'm Anna Tonk. Welcome to How to Be Human, a podcast that explores the common and often confusing themes of humanness. On this episode, Anna and I discuss art and creativity. Take a seat, clear your mind, and let's chat. We're here. We did it. We're here. We're really doing it. Wasn't meant to be. Yes. Last week's attempt was hilarious, and I'm feeling good about this attempt. I'm still in Italy. Um, I feel like people, if you follow me on Instagram, I feel like soon people are going to be like, are you still there? Like, when are you coming back? But I am still away. And today I am recording from a 14 year old's bedroom with really strong (laughs) internet, which is the power of making friends abroad. Oh my God. That's so funny. Of course, the teenagers better have the strong internet. Otherwise they'll be hell to pay. I'm sure. Exactly. It was funny. Simona, who has become my Italian best friend and has solved every problem I've had in Italy. So I will be grateful to her till the ends of the earth. She has put me in her daughter's bedroom because she's like, her bedroom's right above the router. So you should have the best uh, internet, which I mean, is there anything nicer than when people like take your deeds seriously that don't have to? Like, it's so nice. I mean, like, you know, she could have been like, well, that sucks for you. Good luck with that. But instead, she brought me to her home, fed me a snack and then put me in her daughter's bedroom. So (laughs) fed me a snack. She did. She was like, have you had lunch? Because what's hilarious is Simone is from um, the Manchester area. And so she's this very thick northerner's accent. She'll be like, have you had lunch? And I'm like, no. She's like, I'm going to make you a frisella. And then she'll slip into the most beautiful fluent Italian. And I am so jealous. She's she's my goals to get my Italian up to snuff. Mm. Um, but you know me that I'm, I'm nosy by nature. So it's been cool to, you know, see their house and they, their backyard is an olive grove. Like oh, lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Wonderful. And she's got pups. So I was, um, it was nice to get a little bit of a pup fix and, and everything, but I'm excited about what we're talking about today. Me too. I think it's very timely, as usual. It is. <laughs> I feel attacked by our own planning. <laughs> yeah, same, same. I mean, it's funny because I thought I knew what I would have said prior, and now I'm like, mm, it's changed, you know? So, as y'all already know, because you can read titles, today we're talking about art and creativity. And I have a definition for us art. From Oxford Languages, the expression or application of human creative skill and and imagination, typically in a visual form such as painting or sculpture, producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty or emotional power. To the various branches of creative activities such as painting, music, literature, and dance. Um, And then creativity is defined as the use of imagination or original ideas to create something inventiveness. Hmm. Yeah. Which I'm curious, something that gets said to me a lot is that people think reading tarot is very creative. (laughs) And Uh (laughs) yeah, I mean, have you heard that? Has anyone ever said that to you? 
I've no. had numerous people say, oh, or, or, or the link that they, I think, find in my create, like in my career path is they're like, oh, you like, you've always been creative. Like, oh, reading tarot must be so creative. And I'm like, actually, if you're doing it right, it's not really creative because otherwise you could create a lot of chaos in someone's life. If I just was like, I'm going to riff. But um, <laughs> is that something you've heard? Have people come to you with assumptions that tarot super creative? No, no. I Most people that I know don't know, don't even like really want to know that much about tarot. <laughs> They're like, You're like oh. they can't have an opinion because they don't even no, really want to no, know. No, I, exactly. I think they're just too scared to even ask, or they're just like, meh, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> um, so no, that's no one's very no funny. one's ever inquired or ever ever. I don't know about why it. that's really got me. Yeah, no, nope, nobody cares about it. Nobody cares about what I do, and I. <laughs> it is uh, it is kind of funny because I feel like, well. Yeah, there's there's so many things on that and we're not we're not talking about that today but <laughs> i don't i think it is a create i think it's there is um art obviously yeah present and that's what i one of the things i love about it but i agree as far as getting creative i think there's there everybody has their own way of reading <clears throat> and so that yeah. but there's a way you know there's a way to read. And I think there's a way that you can really fuck people up. Yeah. I was like arguing with someone who was insisting that reading tarot was very creative. And I was like, listen, if creativity is who defined doesn't read by, tarot, by the way. Yes. And I was like, if creativity is defined as using your imagination, if I'm using your imagine my imagination during a reading, <laughs> like that's not maybe good for you. Like I do think Perhaps creativity not. comes into it sometimes when you're like, I have to say something difficult to somebody and I want them to yes. hear it. I've had to be creative of like, you know, I've learned certain words you know, just set people off, mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm like, Hmm, what's a creative way I can say this, you know, that maybe they're more receptive totally, and, and still upholds the integrity of exactly the, the card. Exactly. Yeah. Like, especially too with clients, I think you've known a long time that if you're like, I know this word, they have a connotation for it. So I don't want to derail this by that, you know, like, yeah, it can be a little tricky, tricky sometimes. Cause I don't want to be manipulative, but I also don't want, I'm not a therapist, so I don't want to like, you know, trigger somebody and mm -hmm. dance through that with them. But I think it's tricky though, for people to understand sometimes that I think art is a way into tarot for people that if you are really visual, that the artwork often is like what draws you in, you know, that it is nice, I think, to have the imagery. And if you are someone who's driven by that and, you know, like I myself, I'm very driven by like color, you know, like if you have emotional responses to those things, obviously tarot is like, come here, my child, I have something for you, you know? Yeah. How about a whole system and 78 little mini paintings you could look at and adore, you know? And I think that confuses people sometimes about the relationship between art and creativity and tarot. Yeah. Agreed. As far as you always knew you were a creative person, right? Um, no, I think I felt a pressure to be, you know, in a way. And that, um, I think cause my parents were this real divide of like, my mom was creative and my dad was very intellectual, you know, and my mom's very intellectual as well, but 
that I was like, hmm, I think I'm more creative, you know, and I leaned into that and wanted to to be it. But like my my initials are ART. Like art's always art and creativity has always been in the mix. And my mom was one of those moms that did lots of um crafts and things with us. So like I haven't really known life without creativity, but I don't I think it took me a little while before I was like Oh, I think that's me, you know, like, I think it wasn't until high school that I was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely like an art kid. I'm a creative kid. Like that's where, that is where I need to align myself and feel the best, you know? Yeah. I think like it's, it blows my mind. Like when we talk about like your high school experience or your youth, you know, that's something you're like, yeah, I didn't hang out with the arty kids and stuff. And I'm like, how is that possible? Not even close. I mean, I, did I tell you I went out with my high school guidance counselor for dinner? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, which I think is amazing. Love her. Love her. Shout out Michelle. She's the best. I think it's amazing ever. you even had one. Well, she was literally the saving grace. You didn't have guidance counselors? Not really. I mean, not in the well, American sense. Oh, no. Well, yeah, that's because I was in weird. England. They were right. England was like, well, because I went to an international school. They were like, well, give enough so you sort of recognize this as a high school, but like, we're not going to really do it, you know? <laughs> so, Got it. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about how much the school I went to has changed and how they have mindfulness rooms and, you know, Crazy. all this stuff. And it's very focused on mental health. And I mean, I don't know how much I believe about it actually, them, you know, putting their money where their mouth is. Right. But she was saying how you know, I was, uh, the teachers really just didn't know what to do with me. And I, so if I had more and I'm not, this is not a blame game, obviously, but we already did that episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I feel like if I had more encouragement or people were not constantly telling me I was a bad kid all the time and I was misbehaved and I, they wanted to send me to Homestead, which was the school in my town that was like for the, for kids that were like doing drugs and shit and were having really extreme behavioral problems. And that wasn't me. I mean, at all, yeah. you know, and that seems like overkill. It was. And she kept saying like, that's not where she belongs. But, and she was actually telling me this at dinner she was, that people were trying to send me off, off there all the time. Crazy. And it was just, you know, I was just lost obviously, but also I think I didn't have an outlet. And now, and when I started having an outlet and I, I changed a lot, you know, I mean, fashion was always my outlet when I was a kid and that definitely helped, but it wasn't enough. And I don't think that any creative outlet obviously is enough to to help with like severe mental health issues, but it does sustain me in a way and, and give me such a healthy way to access emotions and express emotions and, you know, discover things about myself and the world. And I didn't have that. And I think I would have really thrived if I did, but you know, you find it in life when you're meant to find it. And and that's just what it is. Like my parents were both artists in the sense that they had creative careers, but I, my mom wasn't, you know, nobody was like doing craft. I mean, I fucking hate crafts. I wouldn't have been cra- like crafting shit. That's not my, that's not my game, my style, but I, I would have been nice to kind of get into it a little bit, but you know. I, 
I think it's really hard to find your way in, to be honest. Yeah, like, it is. It's funny hearing you say that because I think as a kid, fashion was definitely a big thing for me and dance. I was always in dance from like the age of like two and um, fashion magazines. I was obsessed same. with magazines mm-hmm. and still am same in getting them from other places, you know, other countries. Like if we ever went to like a newsstand that had like, you know, magazines of the world, you know, like I was thrilled to get, you know, like, a you know, a French Vogue or something. Oh. I was like, <gasps> you know, like, yeah, I mean, I'd be like, my mom's like, Anna, it's like $20. I'm like, please. That's French you know? Vogue, mom. Of course yeah. it's expensive. Yeah. And I would, I mean, I would go through them. And like when we would, um, if we were living in Europe at the time and like going on vacation and stuff, like everywhere we went and, you know, my parents would be like, you have like 50 pounds of magazines. <laughs> you know? They were so great like, for like collaging and oh cutting my, things exactly. out. Oh my God. And I would get tracing yes. paper to like try to Ugh. learn how to draw the stuff and everything. But I hadn't really thought about it, but like fashion for sure was like a big thing. And I think was a place that I was learning about creativity and self-expression obviously of like ooh, look at this and like you know already kind of reacting to like colors and trends and prints and things like that but I think it is really hard like I also always had cameras like I was always really interested in photography from a young age which I don't know where that came from like neither one of my parents were big photographers but like some of my earliest childhood memories is my parents gave me this like camera that took 110 millimeter film like I remember it and um god the money I would pay to see those photos what was baby Anna photographing I would love to know but that was something in high school as well that I feel really grateful that my art teacher was like you know like you can do this like being a photographer is a job like you could study that you know and I was like Ooh, but I think a big reason I picked up a camera too was anxiety. I loved having a buffer between me and people. Mm-hmm. I loved having a way. It made me feel very safe, you know, like, and it made me feel braver to like approach people and be like, you know, can I take your photo or whatever? It, it was this tool that really helped me, I think, handle social anxiety. So I also came at it. It's funny you you talk about like mental health because it's like I definitely think I've used creativity a lot of times to like work with my mental health, you know, and oh, help yeah. it. And as a tool, as a coping mechanism. Totally. I used to do a lot of theater when I was a kid, which I... Oh, the theater. Yes, honey. I was in the theater. A theater um, girl. I, I was. I was not like a theater theater person, but I what loved- she's trying to say is she wasn't a theater nerd. What she's well, saying God in bless coded you. language. I love theater nerds. <laughs> I love them, but I that those that wasn't I get my it. that wasn't my crowd. Yeah, um, I think too, you and I are too self conscious to fully commit too to cerebral, that. <laughs> too cerebral for me too. Like I think it's just like too true. Yeah, I'm just like yo fuckers. You want to like. <laughs> Take I, it down a notch just for a that's minute. That's so <laughs> funny, Nina, because I felt the same. Like I, I would try out for stuff, and then I would be like, "Y'all are a lot." Yeah, just like <laughs> super intense, a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Like I, just, I don't feel about this shit I don't, the way y'all do. I don't have it in me to like fully commit every ounce of my life to this. Like I would like to try a wine cooler in a in a couple of. <laughs> 
busy making time for a wine cooler in my experience. <laughs> I need to be able to throw up and like go to a football game and do all that shit. But I I loved my theater camp. I went to a theater camp and I loved singing and I loved I loved it so much. And then oh, I felt a ex- singer as yes. well. Wow. Oh, I love to sing. I actually really, really regret not putting more effort into singing because I'm a pretty good singer, I have to say. I'm not bad. Mm-hmm. And I love it. It brings me so much uh, joy. And I sing all day. I sing a lot, a lot. And I, I was thinking about taking voice lessons again, which I really need to actually do. I'd, I'd like to do it in person, though. I don't want to do it virtually. Have you taken them as an adult? No, I haven't. And I really, really want to. I that did. did. Oh, I you took, did? I took voice lessons as an adult. And I wept oh, so much. Of course. Which is apparently a thing. Of course it is. And I I did it just because reading, I was um, fucking up my voice all the time. I kept, I kept losing my voice. And someone was like, you probably don't know how to breathe. And I was like, um, I'm an adult and I'm alive. I'm pretty sure I know how to breathe. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> but I don't. I actually don't know how to breathe correctly. No. So someone was like, you should try singing lessons. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea. Cause like, cause I don't care. I don't care what my singing voice is like or what, you know, I was like, oh, that's good. I could like learn how to breathe. And I didn't know that I was basically paying for like an hourly mental breakdown. Oh my God. I, I, dude, I, I, we got home yesterday from being in Connecticut for the week. And I was like, I, I need to get on my spin bike. I'm going somewhere with this. And I was like, I don't, I usually, I usually play ones with hip hop because I'm obsessed with 90s rap. And I'm like, no, I need something else today. And I'm like, this is so embarrassing. I can't believe what I'm about to tell you. I can't wait where it's going. I'm like, I cannot wait. Oh, interesting. A Taylor Swift ride. Oh, um, cute. Okay, yeah. let, let me see. Let me see. Maybe I'll just be in for like a fun little like chill ride. Yeah. I literally started bawling. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, Spinning and singing oh, and falling to Taylor Swift. I was yeah. like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. But you never know where it's going to come from. But I really believe that you're every time I sit so often when I sing, I should say. And, and music just has had that effect on me since I was a baby, since I can remember where it literally moves me. And I know so many people feel the same. I, I don't understand people and that's fine. I don't need to, who don't like listen to music all the time. It blows my mind. I'm like, what do you mean? You don't, you're not constantly looking for new artists and feeling the, the feeling the beat and memorizing the words and like letting it speak to your soul. And people are like, no, <laughs> like, Oh, Isn't that- just me. <laughs> I feel I don't trust people who who don't like music or who are like, yeah, no, I don't need to listen to music and people who don't like dogs. I'm just I'm like, oh, I feel like music has saved my life so many fucking times. And I don't then I don't and I'm not being dramatic. I know. I think I know. I think you're right. I don't disagree with that. But I I, it's just so you're not unfathomable to. (laughs) to me how someone couldn't resonate with it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm so with you on that, that like when people are like, yeah, I don't know. I don't could know, take like, it or yeah. leave it. It's like good or writing. Like, like, you're like, what? You don't, you know, like, like that didn't make you feel something like like in the depths of your yeah. being. No, I, but, you know, I guess people are just made 
I, well, here's the thing. I, I don't know how the, the narrative is with, with you. I don't think it was like that in your family, but I think I grew up around a lot of people where creativity wasn't, certainly wasn't prioritized, nor was it celebrated. It was like very much, oh, if you're creative, you go in this room. If you're, you know, the rest mm-hmm. of you are like very sports oriented and like, you know, kind of more clean line stuff. And so I felt a lot of pressure to, to do what my friends were doing and just play sports, even though I fucking hated them, which is interesting because obviously later in life I became so into movement and as a way to create and as a way to connect with my creativity. But at that point it was just like run seven miles, (laughs) like get your ass kicked and it wasn't fun for me. But I definitely abandoned myself in that in that decision. And it it's so sad. But I think a lot of people don't think they're creative. And if they do, yeah. they're like, get to a certain point where you're like, all right, well, it's time to grow out of that now. And time to get, you know, get going on this adult stuff or whatever, mm-hmm. which is just usually, I mean, it's just so sad because so many people lose their voices, which I think is why a lot of people probably lose their shit too. And they do singing lessons because you're actually opening up that space and, and speaking, singing, breathing, releasing, like there's a lot there. I saw on Instagram, I forget which person, maybe it was sit with wit or the, or Iris McAlpin. I can't remember, um, who was talking about why singing makes us happy, that it literally does make us release something. And like, they were relating it as to why you can feel so much calmer when you sing your sing um, lullabies to children that like literally it does something to us, you know, which is interesting. But to your point, though, I hate the idea that if you choose creativity or choose a creative career, lifestyle, whatever, that you are destined to have no money. Oh, it's one of my, I get so mad about it. Makes me crazy because, and I think in my house, there was a little bit of that of like, my mom could be creative and like my mom worked for the Royal Academy in London. She's done tons of things. It was like, she could do that. Like she could like, like it was a luxury or something, even though it was still work, you know, like my mom was a docent and gave tours and had to know the entire collection. Like that's a lot of work, you know, and it was literally a job. People literally come for tours, you know, and there was this attitude of like, oh, she could do her little thing because my dad was successful. My dad doing the like smart thing, responsible thing, you know, like that was more valuable or something. Right. And it drives me crazy. We were just reminded about it in the pandemic of what is life without creative work? What is life without art? What is life without beauty? It sucks. And in, in a really dark moment in the pandemic, you know, what were most people consuming when they were taking a break from like wine? It was art, art, it, art, art, you art, know, art, art. it was art. And like, what are some of the fields that do generate the most money? It's like production, which is a very, you know, creative field. It's advertising, which is a very creative field. Like it makes me so crazy. And I think one of the things that has continually helped me and helped me generate income in my life has been my creativity and willingness to use my imagination or envision different solutions or things like that, that I get so tired of that. And I think that 
we chalk it up to money, capitalism or whatever, but I think it's really more of this, the, the fear of vulnerability that if you're really going to take a creative path in life, there's a lot of vulnerability associated of just being like, yeah, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do this thing that's a little more high risk in our society. I'm going to do this thing that makes me lay myself a little bit more bare or be, um, on my own or whatever. And that is hard. You know, that is a harder path to take, but there are, I can name like millions of friends of my, I mean, millions is a gross exaggeration, but like, <laughs> go mm, ahead, Anna, not, name millions. Yeah, millions. All right. Okay. Um, all right. I'm ready. Number one. Uh, Nina. Um, <laughs> number you know, one. <laughs> number one. But I would say like the majority of the people in my life are doing well and can pay their bills and things like that and work in creative fields. They're, they're, they're using creativity in some way. Um, I have several friends who are working artists and, I just think it's it's if if that's something like listeners are interested in like yeah it might be hard there might not be like a clear path or like structure of like do this and then do this you know but there's more than enough money to be made you know making art or doing creative things a hundred percent and that is and obviously you know I'm a creative person and I'm married to an artist and we've had so many conversations about he's been studying art. He's been an artist his whole life. Like that's all he's ever, I mean, he's done 1000 other jobs. Like he's also very humble, but went to one of the best art schools in the country, especially for painting, you know, like ways like unbelievably educated and trained in art, you know, like in talented. I mean, to be able to even go to that school and then survive it and then still make art after it is an incredible feat, you know, like, yeah, he's pretty creative also, household over there. He also told me the other day we were driving home and I was we were talking about buying a house and he's like, well, if we want a guest house and they don't have one, like I can build one. And I'm like, with your hands? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you could like actually build a house? He's like, for sure. I'm like, but with like wood? And he's like, yes, Nina, I can build a house. I'm like, a full house. You could build a full house. What am I bringing to this marriage in an apocalypse? Like, absolutely nothing. I can't cook. I can't build houses. I can't, like, I guess I'd have to learn how to chop wood, carry water. But, like, I just, I'm like, what do you mean you could build a fucking house? I think you would have to sing a lot. And you would become the performance. (laughs) Like, that would be. I would be the art. I was just like, damn, okay. But. We talked a lot about, especially at the beginning of our marriage, you know, when we're leaving the country, coming back to this one, just, I think it was so different in Mexico because obviously things were a lot cheaper where we were, or maybe not obviously, but they were until they weren't. But anyway, they were mostly, and you could definitely live a much nicer life at a much lower price. But when we, Mm -hmm. when we got back here and it was like, here comes the baby and you yeah. know, I think there's a lot of pressure to be, to figure it out. And he was like, all right, I'm going to, you know, bartend. And I'm like, no, you're not. And he's like, well, we got to make money. And I'm like, you're going to, you're not going to bartend. First of all, you're not going to leave the house. <laughs> I was going to say, first of all, you're not allowed to leave the house past first of all, five. As you're you literally, know. <laughs> once it's four o'clock, it's dark. It's, it's late. It's, 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 it's nighttime. It's tie tie time. It's but, tie tie time. <laughs> um, but you know, I was like, if we, if we can work it out, which we can, and if we have to trust that you just have to put your head down and do what you do in our first place, there was this like really shitty haunted ass 
<laughs> garage situation that just happened to be on our property and nobody was using it because it was fucking terrifying. And I was, and he started painting in there and it, he certainly was inhaling things he shouldn't have been inhaling. <laughs> I pray that he's exhaled all of that since, but he just, he, we, we didn't make excuses. You know, we weren't like, and I'm not, that's not a shame, like a comment that's meant to be shame about, about shame, but it's like, we were just like, we got to work with what we got, you know? Yeah. And if it doesn't make money for as long, it, a, for you to be happy and a whole person, like this is this is part of who you are, and you don't have to feel like that about something, right? You don't have to feel like, oh, I need to paint or I will die. But if you are slowly dying in a career that you don't like, or even just want to express yourself at home in a safe way, that's doesn't you don't have to monetize it I mean if you want to do it for a career you can if you don't and you just want to do it that's so 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 important too it's equally as important you don't have to monetize it just for it to matter right and I think that's a huge thing that I have to keep coming back to in creativity and art is like everything you love doesn't have to be monetized. Everything that you create does not have to be marketed. Like stop no. falling into the trap of fucking capitalism, which listen, I'm obviously, I, I'm, I, I live in a capitalist place. I like money. I want a nice house. Like I'm not going to pretend I'm going to like live off the land and camp. Like it's not in my DNA at this moment, but, no. but I don't want to be just a prisoner to it either. And I find myself getting stuck in that shit all the time where I'm like, maybe you just need a minute to think about what you actually want to create before you start thinking about why it would fail or why it wouldn't be, you know, successful or blah, blah, blah. Well, I think, I mean, that I, I'm glad you're bringing that up because I, as someone who I, I do a lot of shit that never sees the light of day, you know, and I go through a lot of creative phases. In fact, I'm surprised every summer I usually get into making people like friendship bracelets and necklaces. I get Where's into my beads. fucking friendship bracelet. I know I didn't, I didn't get into it this <laughs> summer. It's funny. I don't know why. I think I was maybe, you know, too preoccupied thinking about my Italian residency, but, um, anyway. I, yeah, it, it took over my beating thoughts because you. my thing also, too, is as soon as it gets warm, I'm like, bye, brain. I'll see you in the fall. Yeah. Like, I just get real dumb. And I'm like, I want to sit on the beach and, like, make beaded shit. But um, I think that a lot of stuff comes up around giving yourself permission and realizing that a lot of the standards we sort of evaluate things against, you can't with creative stuff. It's a lot more related to, I think, spirituality and channeling than people want to realize. But you just got to kind of do it for the sake of doing it. And you have to do it a long time that way until you have any idea why the fuck you're being called to do it. Mm -hmm. And Ira Glass, you know, a radio personality extraordinaire creator of This American Life, has this beautiful thing about, like, when you are first starting to do work. And it's like what you need to trust is that you have a point of view and you have a vision, but, like, you're new to doing something. So get through your early work fast because it's going to be bad. And I think most people put the stakes of creative work too high and 
don't really appreciate anyone you see on Instagram out in the world meet who is really accomplished and talented at something they came to that with a millimeter of raw talent and then they worked their ass off to get really good at it. And it's funny because, um, Nina's husband way, um, he can drop in a way that is like photo real. And I had asked him, I was like, I don't, you know, I was like, I don't want to sound dumb, but I'm curious, like, do you draw that or is it, it do you print it? Is it a screen print? Cause I couldn't quite tell of his work. He's like, Oh no, I draw that. It takes me like 10 minutes. And I was like, Holy shit, you can do that. That's incredible. <laughs> like, how do you do that with your fucking hand? That's unreal. And he's like, yeah, but you know, it's boring. Like I could do it all day, but it's boring. But what I had an appreciation for was like to be able to do anything photo real, especially portraiture is incredibly difficult. And I love that he doesn't do it. You know, that he's like, man, it doesn't work for me. And I, a lot of that discomfort of really being, you know, true to yourself, pushing past the fears of who am I to think I have anything to say or put out in this world, you know, pushing past the perfectionism of nothing you put out in the world is ever going to be as perfect as it is in your head. You know, like all of that sort of stuff, like you have to check so much of your brain and just sort of be in connection with your, your body and your feelings in order to like do anything. And that's, really hard. And I think a lot of people really long to do it and really long to have a creative practice. I mean, there are tons of people, there are tons of like coaches out there printing money, I think over selling workshops to people about harnessing and tapping into their creativity because people really want to. But I think everybody is a bit too hard on themselves and doesn't have enough patience to do anything well creatively. Like usually there's going to be a little bit of that spark that shows you that like, it's fun. There's something there. You should keep going. And then it's going to take you a while. Like it's been really, um, my mom's an artist and pretty much has been an artist her whole life. However, took a bit, a, a big break from it. And it's been really cool to watch her, you know, change her life and move to New York from Atlanta um, and really dedicate herself to her art practice. And she was at first just a worked in pastels and then learned a new medium. And she's been learning oil painting for the past few years. And to watch her progress and her come along has been really inspiring to me to like push keep myself going that anyone who's good at anything creative, like there's a lot of work. There's just a lot of work and a lot of like wasted hours. And I think we've gotten into this society where we want everything to be very tidy. And like, I get, I put one hour in, I get one hour of enjoyment and then I can do this, you know? And it's Mm -hmm. like any creative practice is just going to be like, you know, like, I don't agree to that. No, you know, it's just going to sort of laugh in your face and you're just going to have to show up for it. Like, I like what you said about way instead, like, besides the fact that he wouldn't be allowed out to bartend, (laughs) but then, um, like you said, for him to be able to show up as a full person. And I, that is a really important thing that I think there's lots of people walking around that denying what either art means to them or creativity means to them could be affecting your ability to be a full person. Yes. 
Yes, 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 yes. And we have to honor that, you know, in, yeah. in, in ourselves, in our partners. And I think that's, you know, I had a client once who was talking about And you kid. used your own creativity to help him vision a different way, you know? Right. And my forceful Aries energy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're also like, first of all, I'm very strict. So number one, no, <laughs> there will be no bartending. There will not be leaving the home at night. So I mean, we're going to have to vision something mi- else. Fucking miserable, obviously. Oh, come on. I mean, that would have been he, cuckoo you crazy know, town. He did that you know? for so many years in the city and was like busting, like working till 4 a.m. It's like, oh, you're going to yeah. do that with a, with a new baby yeah like absolutely not so anyway but what i you know he i don't think he'd mind me saying but if even if he does i'll just apologize later (laughs) i think it'll be fine he he i don't way is such a super progressive but also traditional dude in that i think he is very this is a really fucked up thing to admit but we were we were with someone I won't name. And I was talking about, you know, I was like, this sounds really sexist and, you know, patriarchal in some way, but I, I would like to be like, I didn't grow up with what I thought was someone, a male figure who was like, I knew was going to protect me, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and I know that that's not always um, a healthy thing necessarily, but I do think that as part of a role of what I would like to be surrounded by in a man is stability and structure. And like, Mm. and he takes that really seriously. Right. Like, yeah, he want, I don't, I don't want him to like provide for the family fully, but I would like to feel safe, you know, in his presence that way. However, nothing is worth your partner, not being happy, settled fully. If you can if you can do something differently and you guys can create that together and see that together. Yeah. It's not only been huge for him and his career and financially, but our marriage, like I don't, how could we have a marriage that would actually be based on, you know, it just wouldn't feel real to me. It would be, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be honoring him, you know, or myself because I would know that he wasn't really happy, but, but anyway, Financial stability too, though, is like one factor. And I think like some of what you're saying is like, you know, maybe the, like he, you know, like the way maybe he was trying to pursue financial stability of like, I'll go, I'll go bartend or whatever. You're like, no, like you can be a better provider, Mm -hmm. uh, like protector, Mm -hmm. you know, like man by actually being true to you, yes, you know, like in who you are, like that to me is like, that's partnership. Like that's where it comes in of like, it doesn't have to look like it does in the world. It's like, we're taking, you know, it's like we're taking the theme and then like, how does it play out for us? Totally. Totally. And I don't know about you, but I have a lot of friends who their relationships with their fathers are very complicated because there was a lot of unmet desire around expressing their creativity. A lot of frustrated musicians, a lot of frustrated artists who Mm -hmm. had to just go get serious jobs or whatever to be dads. And that does, that system doesn't seem to work either. No, because here's the thing that just what you said perfectly encapsulates what I 
feel in my, my thoughts about it is structure doesn't have to be one way, right? Like it may, we can, we can take something that feels very archaic and like dad's provide yeah, and like honor that. Yeah. There are certain instincts that men have and certain instincts that women have. And like, I believe that that's true on a, yeah, on some level, but I also know that there's, we have to do with that what we feel is right for us and how, so what is structure and stability for you? What is safety for you? How am I going to feel safe in my world? If my husband's not home and he's bartending to me, that doesn't feel safe to me. That feels like a lot of anxiety Like being home alone at night. Yeah. Does not feel good. Yeah. So that doesn't, that makes so much sense to me. Translate as like, Oh, he's helping provide for us. No, he's, he's left us. And now I'm alone with this baby and my husband's miserable and he's going to come home miserable. And I'm going to feel bad that he was gone doing something he hated. Like it, that's just not in the life I'm interested in living like at all. I agree. So you also have to be creative in the way you structure your life. If that's, if you wish to have different kind of life, right? Yeah. That, and I think about that so much when I see, you know, in Hudson, it's very different because there's a lot of creative people here. And so a lot of people are living like, I'm like, are you independently wealthy? Like what's happening? How do you just like not go to work or do whatever, you know, it doesn't seem like you do much, but you must. But anyway, I, there's yeah. obviously a million different ways to live. You, you talk about that all the time. But when I won't go back to where I'm from, a lot of people are living a lot more, um, I'd say on the traditional kind of path. And so it's, for me, that was a hard thing to shake, even though my parents were very not traditional, very untraditional, non-traditional, not untraditional, non-traditional, <laughs> that it was still hard for me to be like, okay, well, how do I get out in the world, prove myself, do well financially, and also not live on in this kind of weird square way. And yeah, it, that takes time. That takes so much time, I think. It, it does. I mean, I come from a kind of, my mom is very liberal and arty, but I would say I came from kind of a more conservative, traditional family. And like when I went to art school, it was a little bit like, you would have thought I was like, at first the attitude was a bit like, as if I was going to like, I don't know, like, I don't want to insult anyone, but like, I don't know, like a trade school. Like it was a bizarre attitude at first, you know, like, and people were very like, Anna, you're so smart. Like, why are you going to art school? And within like a month of being there, I was like, fuck everyone because it was so hard. I was like, I will never be put down about this ever again. You know, I was like, I would love to see so many of these people who are like, oh, art school, you know, like try to hack it a week here. You know, it was so intense in terms of the workload, because I think in a lot of ways they were preparing us for like, you're going to have to work harder. Like if you're going to be outside the norm, you know, and you're going to be maybe outside sort of like corporate structure, like you're going to have to work harder. You're going to have to prove yourself. Like that's just how it's going to kind of be. But I think it's like, 
if you can incorporate that in a way where you're not battling it all the time or you're not measuring yourself up and you just sort of own like I've made a different choice, then I think it opens so much up for yourself and you you can make a lot of money and like and you don't feel bad, you know, comparing yourself to other people. I think a lot of people have sort of like the artist wound and they think in order to make art or be creative, you have to be suffering. And that is a yes. different thing. In my opinion, I think if you want to be a really working artist, you have to treat it like a job, like anything else. And yeah. a friend of mine, Chelsea Seltzer, I will shout her out. She and her husband, uh, well, Chelsea has an art practice and is a very successful artist on her own, but she and her husband now collaborate and make these insane paintings and sculptures and cool. very cool. They're yeah, they're awesome. And she and I were talking about that and she was saying how much people will be like, well, you're like, you know, like come get lunch. And she's like, I can't, I'm in the studio. And they're like, yeah, but like, come on, like you can blow it off. And she's like, I can't like, this is my work, you know, like of course, art doesn't get made if I'm not in the studio. And, Anyone I know who really makes a living off their art or creative practice, like that's how it has to be treated. And it's really difficult in the sense of you have to walk this line of like sort of letting things come when they do. You can't just sit there and be like paint or emote or figure things out. But you do have to have a lot of structure and a a lot of the people and discipline. You have to make yourself do it. You have to sit down and do it. You know, you have to show up. And a lot of the people who are sort of like meh or I didn't make money or whatever, I find they fall a little bit into having unrealistic expectations of they like kind of did something once. And if the world didn't, you know, stand up, applaud and throw money at them, then they deemed it not successful. And you can't make money doing, you know, they quit essentially. And I don't know that that's the agreement either. I do think creativity is a little bit more of a, um, long haul, you know, it's a longer investment you have to make and it's much more of a process and, uh, like a commitment than it is something that you, you can do once and hope that, you know, you make a million dollars or you become a success. Yeah. I'm curious. So art itself, fine art has always been in my life. Like when we would travel, it was a joke that my mom would have to like bribe my brother and I with like pastries and things because we would be like, we can't go to another church or like, we can't see another fresco, you know, like, she would drag us to see all the art. My mom, um, her background is in fine art and art history. So not only did you have to go see all the art, but she had to tell you all about it as well. And so I've always had an appreciation for it. And it's been amazing to be in Italy where I feel such a freedom to like love beauty in a way. Like I love like, you go into these places and like the mosaic floors and it's like they didn't do that to like boost the value of the home. They did it just because it's beautiful. And if you could do something beautiful, why wouldn't you, you know, like it's just been Mm. amazing and like a bomb for me. I didn't know I needed that. I'm curious. What's your relationship with fine art and beauty? Like, do you, I I now realize it's so important to me and like oxygen. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, it's super embarrassing because when I don't have, I don't have a lot of feelings about fine art. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I'll my, be honesty. Okay. I just don't have a lot of feelings. I fully oh, you're appreciate. A robot. You're just I, confessing no, that you're listen, a robot. Let me hear, <laughs> let, hear me out. Okay. Judgment free zone. Okay. I appreciate deeply the work that I see, right? Like we went, we mm-hmm. went to the the museum in the, at Yale and way was like, Oh my God, there's so much here. It's like crazy. That wow, what That's a really it's, nice collection. It's yeah. cr- incredible place. And there are certain pieces there that I'm absolutely blown away by. And then there are certain pieces that I'm like, huh? And, but I think that's fair. I think that's normal. Okay. I feel a lot of pressure in fine art. And I think that that's really for a long time made me feel like I don't want to get into it because I don't want to, I don't, the information doesn't really stick for me the way it does for mm-hmm. a lot of people. So I'll see something many times, but I don't necessarily remember who the artist is. And I think that's fine though. I mean, but does it make you feel something? Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It, uh-huh. cer- it certainly does. However, there are other, there are definitely things that make me feel way more. And yeah. so I'm, if you're like, would you go to a museum or a concert that's like small and, you know, intimate and whatever, I would, I would choose a concert. Like I, yeah. w- I would rather be listening and feeling music than I would standing in front of a piece of art. Probably that doesn't I, surprise me about you though. Yeah. But I think that that's a lot of my attention span too. I have a, like, I think it's hard for me to, it's hard. I think you have to train yourself to really look at art, you know? I, I well, really do. I think you have to realize you can't get it wrong. I well, hear that, all the time that people are, are intimidated. Yeah. You it's know, intimidating. and I'm like, I, I don't understand that because I just didn't have a choice. My mom was like, you will like art. <laughs> so like, I didn't have to navigate that. You know, like I've always, my relationships always just gotten like deeper and deeper with art, but like I've never, and it's always been in our house, you know, like, you know, my parents of like we're buying art you know what I mean like it's it's never been something I didn't feel like I had access to so I'm curious like are you afraid of like getting it wrong yes. or like liking bad I'm, art no or, I'm not like, first of or, all let's be honest of course I mean, I'm not, not of course I'm not afraid of liking bad art I mean <laughs> I have impeccable taste <laughs> first of all I have impeccable taste <laughs> I have great taste if there's something I'm not don't feel insecure about it's my taste but well that, yeah that's why it surprises me to be honest you know like I, that's why I think I, there's going to be like a test that's how I feel I feel like there's going to be a test and I feel uh, like the, and I feel like yeah. the, pe- the worlds in which people discuss and I think Wei has talked a lot about this too you know being in the art world he's like there's just so much pretentious bullshit that it's like it, it, it listen it's like that in every space but I think that's yeah. what's held me back from really going deeper into it I remember being really into my art history class in college so obviously I have feelings for it but I do think that it is intimidating for me and it's not something that I get right away where I know if I like something right away or I know if I feel something right away but as far as going into like the those next couple of stages that I feel like there are, I'm like, okay, well, what do I do now? You know, where I 
Yeah. Where it comes more naturally to me in like in music and different types of art that I feel like when I'm standing in front of fight art, I feel like a little kid who's Mm -hmm. someone's going to like, even when you're like fine art, I'm like, Oh shit, there's going to be a test. Like I feel very nervous about it. Yeah. That bums me out for people to be honest. Like, because I, I think that art is, for everyone and I think that the most of the people who are shitty about it or make people feel bad about it are people who don't make anything and the way they sort of earn their keep in the art world is like making you think they know something you don't yeah so anytime you say I really like this and someone's like oh really or whatever just know they're an asshole (laughs) I mean it's real simple that I do think there's I mean there's nothing there's probably few careers fields that has more gatekeeping than art and I think it gets chalked up a lot to money which obviously is a factor for sure but I think it's much more about people I think the insecurity people have of wanting to belong and be in that world but maybe don't produce art I think is much more of a source of the gatekeeping than than money ever thought about being yeah it's you know I'm definitely it's being married to an artist obviously someone people ask me, you know, like, what's his medium and like things about his art. I'm like, his art's great. You should check it out. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to talk too much about it because I love it. And I don't need to really know why I love it because I, I understand his art. And that's, I think because a lot of, because I understand him, you know? Yeah. And so it speaks to me obviously on a different level. And I'm like, Oh, of course, of course that came from you. And I think it's, it makes me feel things very much, but yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's definitely I think that's what what held me back for a long time in just owning my creativity and owning art as something I wanted to be in, in invested in and involved with is that I feel like people it there's kind of um you know a lot of a lot of pretension and a lot of like a lot of just judgment sometimes around these in these spaces and I think it's hard for people to break to crack that yeah I mean I definitely struggled I felt like at Parsons and at times in the art world like I wasn't cool enough or cerebral enough you know that I was like you know I really like fine art and I really like Bob's Burgers you know like exactly Always, I, mean, I don't like appreci- Bob's Burgers, but you, but I so appreciate <laughs> that about highbrow, lowbrow, exactly. Yeah, like, and I think that makes you a better artist, in my, you know, opinion, I agree, and a more well-rounded person. It, it's super limiting to just be like anything. It's also really subjective, and subjective, and arbitrary. And so, one of my favorites, if you, sometimes you can catch it in an interview with an artist or on video or like a piece or something. Anyway, my favorite is when the interviewer or a critic or someone's like, when I look at your piece, dog, you know, peeing on loaf, (laughs) I think of how society is peeing on, you know, and they're like, actually, it's just a funny thing I saw on vacation. You know, like that is my favorite favorite you know like when people talk about how much gets projected onto art and like how much is really like them trying to be like let me think of what the cerebral take is on the yeah you know like and you know and I make fun of my mom about that I'll be like oh yes mom you know and it would be really funny too like I did this whole series that was really quite good when I was a teenager and people are like yes it's about her grief of her father no the, the I had taken the film to a Walmart and they fucked it up 
and it looked super cool and made it way moodier, you know? (laughs) So, I mean, I just like, that's something like, as we start to wrap up, like I want to offer anyone who wants to do anything, like your art doesn't have to be cool. It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be cerebral. Mm -hmm. It literally just has to be something you want to take from your head and or heart or whatever. And you want to see in the world that is it, you know, whether that's with your hands, your eyes, your singing, like whatever you want to do. I think it's really, really important if you feel that desire, you don't have to put it on Instagram. You don't have to shout about it, but I think it is so important. It honors, you honor it because nothing has brought more goodness or enrichment or confidence or people I love into my life than following art in my creative practice. Mm -hmm. I agree. And nobody has to approve of it and nobody has to understand it. No, nope. and that doesn't. And if you need someone to encourage you about your practice, come to me, and I will tell you how to like. B- I will help bolster your confidence to refute all the assholes who want you to defend it. Yeah, it's like you, people don't need to get what you're doing for it to be valuable or you know no. meaningful at all. And I think that we've gotten really, really lost, obviously, in just the production of things and likes and all this bullshit that we think we. Ha- I think that stops the process for people dead in their tracks too, where it's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'll just write a short novel on Instagram and then I'll write a book, you know, and maybe that's going to be your path. But a lot of stuff that writers write that never sees the light of day. It's this, you know, and that singers sing and that artists draw there. This is a, a lot of it is a private practice. And then whatever you choose to put out in the world is your choice. It's not, it's not for anybody else. If other people, if it resonates with other people, that's wonderful, but that's not the purpose. Yeah. And when I, when it becomes the purpose I've found, it just changes everything. And then it becomes something that is no longer mine or, and I get bored of it. If, if I start creating for somebody else and I, then I know I'm far away from my intention in the, that I started with. And then I'm like, fuck this. I'm out. Well, then it becomes a job. And then, and this might also be a bitchy side note, but I do want to add it in that I would also like, I have mixed feelings about this trend with people on Instagram and in newsletters and stuff of just barfing emotion and wanting to call it, call that art. And I'm not, sure that it is Uh and I think sometimes if that's maybe what you're up to to ask yourself how do you really want to be seen because you want to be seen and how could you honor that in a way that maybe I don't know I don't know that just doing that just emoting is the same as making art and I don't think it feels the same in our bodies. I feel like it's like selling ourselves a little bit, you know? Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it is a bit, I I think it's like, and I get, I'm not really judging it and I get it. And I think it's a process and I'm so grateful when I went through that process, the internet didn't really exist because all of my emotional sluttiness, you know, got to be private or just taken on disposable cameras. So I understand it. However, I would say to people like, take the fact that you want to say something or you have a perspective seriously and 
maybe be more protective of it is more my, my thing. Like you're, you're putting all this stuff out there that I think you should like hold for yourself to figure out what you, you really want to do with it. Maybe what you, what you really want to channel that in. Cause yeah. I get the appeal of putting it all on Instagram, but like, then you've just given people a whole lot of info about yourself. And I don't know. I just think it's, I think we're getting, I would, I think what you might be also trying to communicate, correct me if I'm wrong, is like mm-hmm. the sacredness of it. Yes. Is, yes. Or at least that's how I feel like, right. Like art yes. is sacred and your emotions are sacred and, and we don't have to share all of them to be seen. Yes. And sometimes the process is so worth it and so beneficial to then figure out what is mine to hold and keep for myself yes. and what is mine to share with the world. Because once you share it with the world, it also d- isn't yours anymore. Yeah. And, and then and it, it's, it's just like, you have to answer to it, whether or not you want to, or people are like, well, you said this yesterday exactly. and I'm like, and then you're engaging like, with it. Ugh. And I just yes. think it dilutes, it dilutes you. It dilutes your essence exactly. in my opinion, you know? Yes. So that's my point. I'm not really saying like, oh, that's shitty or anything. Yeah. I'm just more like, I see it happening, especially with people younger than us. And I'm just like, you're kind of you're That's diluting your work, whether or not you know it, you know, like, yeah. And yeah, that yeah. if you can build up your resistance to that discomfort of muddling through all that stuff and going, Oh, I have all these feelings. And so like, if you can be with yourself through that, your work will get stronger, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you will maybe get stronger you, and you'll get stronger. Yeah. And, and your head will be less filled with other people's opinions, which I think is yes. ideal. other people's trauma yeah and just junk junk truly yeah all right well all right. on that note well, happy that creating <laughs> people yes we've solved yeah. it so you're welcome you're welcome um for, tell us for what ourselves you're anyway if you long to be creative tell us what you want to make us. we yeah tag us all tag right us. guys we'll talk to you next time bye ciao for now ciao ciao That's all for today's episode. If you're interested in submitting a topic or want to submit a question for our advice episode, please join our membership community at howtobehumanpod.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, we're guides, not gurus.